We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go, episode 495 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Friday, January 27, 2023. The NFL's conference championship Sunday is a coming. The San Francisco 49ers at the Philadelphia Eagles Sunday afternoon at three in the NFC championship game. The Cincinnati Bengals at the Kansas City Chiefs Sunday evening at 6.30 in the AFC Championship game. A truly worthy Final Four in the NFL. There's no doubt that the Eagles and Niners are the two best teams in the NFC. And I think that it has become quite clear that the Chiefs and the Bengals are the two best teams in the AFC. We'll see what kind of actual games we get, but these games have the makings of great games. And we are all Niners fans on Sunday. I have zero desire to see the Eagles win the NFC Championship. Uh, We are finally seeing some movement in the NFL's coaching carousel. The Carolina Panthers on Thursday afternoon announced the hiring of former Indianapolis Colts head coach and former Maryland quarterback, Frank Reich as head coach. So, so much for him ever being a candidate to be the commander's offensive coordinator. This has been a rather slow-moving NFL coaching carousel. The commander's offensive coordinator search is taking a while. I mean, the commander's fired Scott Turner as offensive coordinator on January 10th. This coming Tuesday will mark three weeks since the firing of old Scotty Boy. And uh, it doesn't feel like the commanders will have filled that vacancy Uh, by this Tuesday. A lot of these coaching searches are taking a while. There are a good number of both head coach and uh, offensive coordinator openings right now. Hello and welcome to this Friday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. We follow sports so that you don't have to. It's a simple arrangement. And next segment, a high-level guest, Ian Wharton of Pro Football Network. Uh, He is very good at talking X's and O's. He understands analytics. He understands the modern ways of the NFL. And Ian has been studying the quarterbacks in the 2023 NFL draft. We're going to go in depth on Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson and also talk about commanders quarterback Sam Howell with the idea being whether the commanders should take 
Richardson in the draft. The book on Anthony Richardson is incredible talent, sky-high ceiling, but rather raw. In what is viewed as a quarterback-rich NFL draft, Anthony Richardson is viewed by many as the QB4, although he isn't necessarily viewed that way by Ian. Wait until you hear what Ian has to say about where Richardson fits in in terms of the quarterback class for this NFL draft. But should the commanders take Richardson if he's available to them with their number 16 overall pick? Should the commanders consider trading up for Richardson? You're going to be hearing a lot about this guy in the coming months. Great insight from Ian Wharton on Anthony Richardson is on the way. And Ian also has some really good stuff on Sam Howell. Speaking of good stuff, also on the show, a big win for the Capitals, a 3-2 shootout win over the Pittsburgh Penguins at Capital One Arena on Thursday night. The Caps now have 58 points, one point ahead of the Pens atop the Eastern Conference wildcard standings. And I'll talk some Nationals and Orioles. MLB Pipeline's preseason top 100 prospects list came out on Thursday night. The list included a number of Nats and Orioles prospects. Additionally, we on Thursday had a lot of Orioles news, including a trade that speaks to the overwhelming strength of the Orioles farm system right now. And we had more in the saga, the drama that is the Angelos family feud. The ugliness of this Angelos family feud, the ugliness of this Orioles ownership mess knows no bounds. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Dave on something that I talked about on Wednesday's show, episode 493, the potential for our commanders, co-owners, and co-CEOs, Dan and Tanya Snyder, to take up permanent residence in, say, France or England, if they haven't done so already. The Washington Post in early January reported that a recent business filing had included Dan claiming to be a resident of England. Uh, Writes Dave, you mentioned that the Snyders may have permanent residence in the United Kingdom. That made a crazy thought pop into my head. What if Danny brings on a minority partner as a way to raise the funds needed to move the team to London? Roger Goodell would get his London franchise and would get Danny out of one of the NFL's top markets. Danny in London would not have the same reputation that he has in the DMV and could potentially have an easier time getting a new stadium. Plus, London Commanders has a certain ring to it. I realize that this has a 0% chance of happening, but I had to share the thought. Keep up the great podcast. Uh, Thank you for that, Dave. Hey, listen, I am always up for an outside-the-box thought or theory or scenario. Uh, Would that not be the ultimate heel move by Dan Snyder, moving the team to London? He runs the team into the ground and then moves the team to another continent. Uh, I know that Dave was being sarcastic with that email, but it's funny. I have heard and read this notion of the commanders being relocated come up a decent amount. Always remember this about a potential relocation of the commanders. The relocation of any NFL franchise has to be approved by at least 24 of the league's 32 ownerships. 
Uh, neither Dan Snyder nor any other owner of the Commanders could just up and move the team. Uh, I don't ever see the NFL allowing the Commanders to leave the Washington, D.C. area uh, for one simple reason. Money. The NFL at its core is not about competition or fellowship, okay? No, the NFL, the actual league, the National Football League, it at its core is about money. The Washington, D.C. market is a top 10 media market, is one of the richest markets in the country in terms of the wealth of the people who live in the market, and is very lucrative in terms of the advertising dollars present in the market. What is a one-word summation of all of that? Money. As Jay Gruden said on his Redskins Coaches television show, in January 2018, about the contract situation of Venskins quarterback Kirk Cousins. I think it's all about... Probably all about the money, I guess. Yes, exactly, Jay. The NFL, all about the money. So do not live in fear of the commanders being relocated. Although (laughs) I'm sure for some of you, uh, that would be a good thing, the commanders relocating. Uh, Email from Dr. Sabah, uh, a.k.a. our number one fan of commanders quarterback Taylor Heineke, writes Dr. Sabah, whose emails I always enjoy reading, about Commander's head coach Ron Rivera's decision to start Carson Wentz over Tay-Tay at quarterback in the loss to the Cleveland Browns at FedEx Field in Week 17. I've been meaning to muster up the energy to email you after that debacle that we had against the Browns on New Year's Day, but I was so depressed for our team, us fans, myself, And yes, Taylor Heineke. I'm doing a little better now, but I have a few things to say. The fact that Ron would sacrifice our team's success, you know that thing called the playoffs, for Ron's ego is disgraceful. How do you have a game that keeps you in the playoffs despite going two and four, despite your guy digging his team into a hole, despite losing to the Giants after a bye week, despite not your guy driving your team on the final drive of the Giants game to score a touchdown, then a receiver penalty negating the touchdown. Also, despite not your guy converting on a two-point conversion attempt earlier in the game, but the two-pointer being reversed due to another receiver penalty. So despite not your guy actually leading your team to 21 points, not 12, that should have won the game 21-20. Despite all of this, you, Ron, have a real chance to take the layup the NFL gave you in playing the preseason form Browns. You decided not to allow, not your guy, to keep your team in the playoffs because you thought that your guy would have beaten the Browns by more, therefore proving yourself correct in that your guy would have done what not your guy did better. Well, obviously, (laughs) that failed. Ron single-handedly kicked his team out of the playoffs. The team, us fans, especially me, will never forgive him for this. So when I heard you, as in me, saying you would try to lose the commander's final game to get a higher draft pick, I couldn't have disagreed with you more. Why would you ever give a guy like Ron, who has made multiple poor personnel decisions, more draft ammunition to waste? 
Anyway, I feel empty and futureless now when it comes to the Redskins. The only silver lining is that the team will be sold soon, and hopefully Ron will be gone soon as well. So Al, thank you for letting me vent to you and helping me feel better. I at least am grateful that Taylor gave us fans some enjoyable football to watch during his time playing, making sure that every game he was allowed to finish came down to the last possession. As always, love you, Al. Hopefully, I can hear your response on the podcast. Love, Sabah. Well, thank you for that email, Sabah. Uh, you know, first of all, uh, don't blame Ron Rivera for costing his team a playoff spot with what happened in that loss to the Browns. Because remember, Ron didn't even know that the commanders could be eliminated from playoff contention in week 17. Never, ever forget that. Uh, remember, he admitted that during his postgame press conference after that game. I still can't believe that. Uh, I am worried about our guy, Tate Sabah. It is feeling more and more like the commanders are not going to resign him either because they don't want to or he doesn't want to resign with the team. We'll see, okay? There's a lot to be determined. I'll grant you that. Personally, I would like to see the commanders go with Sam Howell as QB1, re-sign Taylor, who's set to be an unrestricted free agent this offseason, and take a quarterback at some point in the 2023 NFL Draft. Maybe Florida's Anthony Richardson, on whom we're going to conduct a deep dive coming up. But I wonder if Taylor wants to be a part of a quarterback plan like the one that I just outlined. Uh, He may have a better opportunity elsewhere. He may be tired of the entire Washington scenario. And think about this. If Ron Rivera ends up promoting quarterbacks coach Ken Zampezi to offensive coordinator, an obvious set of dots to connect is Zampezi and Andy Dalton. Uh, Dalton is set to be an unrestricted free agent this offseason. Zampezi was the Cincinnati Bengals quarterbacks coach from 2003 through 2015. He was the Bengals offensive coordinator from January 2016 to September 2017. Uh, No, his uh, run as Bengals OC did not last for long. Uh, But Andy Dalton was the Bengals starting quarterback for nine seasons, 2011 through 2019. A lot of history between Zampezi and Dalton. So if Zampezi gets promoted to offensive coordinator, I absolutely could see the commanders signing Dalton and saying bye-bye to our guy, Tay-Tay. And yes, Ron Rivera's decision (laughs) to start Carson Wentz in week 17, that decision uh, did not work out. Well, Ron's decision to go with Commander Carson in Week 17 may not have worked out, but your decision to go with the law firm of Polson and Nace absolutely will work out. I can promise you that. If you have a case, contact Polson and Nace. Polson and Nace is dedicated to promoting the rights of seriously injured persons and their families. You can call Polson and Nace at 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Polson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Polson and Nace handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Polson and Nace is widely respected throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia for the firm's accomplishments both in and out of courtrooms. Chris Nace and Matt Nace are dedicated trial attorneys who do not balk 
in the face of large insurance companies or well-known businesses that have had practices or products that are directly related to the root of your harm. Paulson and NACE does not accept low settlement offers that benefit the people who cause clients harm more than the offers benefit the clients. And this is because Paulson and NACE is not afraid to take a case to trial. And that's because Paulson and NACE wins trials. Paulson and NACE has secured millions of dollars in verdict and settlement amounts for clients to better enable them to care for themselves and their families. If you have a case, contact Paulson and NACE. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and NACE and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Yet you're obligated to nothing. Call Paulson and NACE at 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Schedule a no-obligation appointment by calling 202-902-7611. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. Just make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you would like to advertise on the Al Galdi podcast and reach thousands of people in the Washington, D.C. area and grow your business or practice at a very affordable price, we have special deals going on right now. Take advantage of these special deals. Hit us up. See what we can do for you. Email us the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. So this installment of the pod is for Friday, January 27th, 2023. Exactly. Three months away from the 2023 NFL Draft's first round, which will take place on April 27th, 2023. Uh, The Commanders have the number 16 pick in the 2023 draft, what is believed to be a good draft for quarterbacks. And while the perceived top three quarterbacks in the draft, Alabama's Bryce Young, Ohio State's C.J. Stroud, and Kentucky's Will Levis are all expected to be long gone, by the 16th pick, the perceived number four quarterback in the draft, Florida's Anthony Richardson, may not be gone by the 16th pick, or he may fall to a spot to which trading up for the commanders is far more realistic than them trading into, say, the top five to get Young, Stroud, or Levis. But is Anthony Richardson worthy of being taken by the commanders in the first round. Uh, Right now to talk Anthony Richardson and also talk about commanders quarterback Sam Howell is Ian Wharton of Pro Football Network. You can follow Ian on Twitter at NFL Film Study. Uh, Ian is really good at talking X's and does and analytics and fantasy football and gambling. And he's back on the podcast right now. Hey, Ian, how are you? I'm doing well, Al. Thanks for having me on. It's been already a busy offseason, a lot of fun stuff happening. Uh, especially with Frank Reich just getting the job in Carolina. And I think a couple of these coaching jobs are about to come up and be wrapped up here soon. So I think uh, I think we're really hitting a fun time. Yeah, no doubt. So we are, of course, early in the pre-draft process, but you've put out a very good Twitter thread on Anthony Richardson. You've already spent a good bit of time on him and other quarterbacks in the 2023 NFL draft. Let's just bottom line this before we get into the specifics. Do you, in Anthony Richardson, see someone who would be worthy of the commander's number 16 overall pick in the 2023 draft or maybe even worthy of trading up to take? 
Yeah, I, I do. I, he is the ultimate um, guy that you want to put your faith in. And we've kind of seen this over the last couple of years. It goes back to, I think Josh Allen is really the first time I had kind of experienced this type of athlete and Cam Newton to a certain degree. Um, but Newton was so dynamic and immediate with his impact on the field. And whereas Allen wasn't. And so I think you look at Richardson, Richardson, I think is a little bit closer to Allen on that spectrum. Like he wasn't a first year Heisman winning national title winning quarterback, like just absurd standard, right? Like he wasn't that you saw the physical traits, you saw the gifts. And then you, you also look at the negatives, which is obviously the completion percentage, the, the raw youth that he has. And when you consider those things, it's, you know, I think it's a little bit of, are you putting faith in the talent? Are you putting faith in the person? And obviously we don't know the person part, like Josh Allen, he was worth it as a person because he put in the work, he had the capability. And so we don't know that on Richardson yet. That only time will tell on that. Um, but I think from a raw standpoint, absolutely, because I think that you can harness a lot of those skills. I think he was better than the numbers said. Diving into every throw, considering all the drops, all the throwaways, and yeah, the misses. The guy had quite a few just bad breakdowns of mechanics and misses. So you consider that all together, and I say, you know what, this is first year starter, 21 years old, played at a high level in the SEC, and not a great situation, and he really made the best of it. So I look at him and I say, if I'm going to stake my career on him, well, I think he could be one of those eight to 10 quarterbacks in the NFL that's playing this coming weekend in the championship weekend. Like he has the talent to do what the guys that are currently playing, except for maybe Brock Purdy, those guys do. And I don't think a lot of uh, prospects can do that. And I think that's kind of where the bar has moved since Allen entered the league. I think that was really a pivotal moment in the way we view quarterbacks. You mentioned Anthony Richardson's completion percentage. It is hard to ignore. Uh, You also mentioned Buffalo Bills quarterback Josh Allen, who for his career at Wyoming completed just 56.2% of his pass attempts. How disturbing to you is Richardson in the 2022 season having completed just 53.8% of his pass attempts? Yeah, I think this is, on the face value, the only reason that you would consider a prospect like this is if he has the traits that Richardson has. So he is just like Allen in the same sentence where it's the like the only way to overcome all of the negatives, playing, you know, especially with Allen, playing at a low, you know, competition level, the low statistical feats and stuff like that, you have to have those traits, period. So if he had lesser traits, if this was, you know, even like Bryce Young, with those type of numbers, you wouldn't consider him. We wouldn't even be talking about him as an NFL prospect. Um, so I, it is part of the evaluation. But then when you go back to the film and I say, okay, he had, you know, he dealt with 30 drops and then he had a number of throwaways that kind of tanks. So some of the context of some of this stuff, I mean, every quarterback has drops, but he had a, an abnormally high drop rate that he dealt with. And some of that was due to injuries and, and for other reasons. But uh, I think when you look at the context, you can start seeing like, okay, he's probably not as bad as the numbers look like. Like he's not that inaccurate. It's not that much of a rebuilding project. You're just working with tightening things up. And so when it all combines together, it's part of the evaluation, but it's not devastating to him because there's so much good too. And like, he's not just like going back to, I think like Dwayne Haskins was probably a good example of this for Washington fans. Like Haskins was accurate, but he wasn't precise. And when he got to the NFL, you really saw that more you saw that the balls were maybe to the back shoulder as opposed to like leading guys upfield. And whereas Richardson, I don't see that as much. I see 
he's hitting guys in stride. He's leading them upfield, so he's actually a little bit more precise, even if his accuracy isn't quite as good, um, especially with like the raw numbers. In watching Anthony Richardson, what'd you like? What didn't you like? Love the explosive talent, both as a passer, obviously as a runner. He's a super gifted runner. I think he'll enter the league as one of the top five rushers at quarterback, which is in this day and age saying a lot. Like he is right there with Fields, probably below Jackson, probably right there with Hurts. Um, as a passer, super strong arm. He can he finds uh, guys coming open late. He sees guys that have settled into zone coverage, uh, maybe that weren't supposed to be there. And if he can react in a heartbeat and get the ball there, um, he can compensate for uh, his uh, maybe his slower processing due to inexperience with that extremely gifted arm. Uh, makes plays off platform, very comfortable in the pocket, maneuvers very well around pressure despite his inexperience. His pocket management might be the best in the class. Uh, which is kind of like an innate gift thing. I don't think guys generally get too much better there. It's usually very subtle with him. Um, he does the subtle things really well. So I think his instincts are strong. Um, things you're concerned about, obviously, he, he overthrows guys. I mean, he'll miss easy passes. He'll rocket passes 10 feet too high um, over the middle of the field. And those are really his, his only misses. Like, he misses high. So I'm wondering if that's just a mechanical thing. I think that is probably more coachable than maybe someone like Malik Willis a year ago. Willis, all I guess it kind of said, like, I equated it to holding down a turbo button. Like, if you're playing Madden and you're just holding down sprint every single second, that's what Malik Willis was. Richardson's not that. He plays a lot more controlled. Um, so I do think that the accuracy is an issue, but I don't know that it's one that's not at least uh, tunable, almost in a way that Cam Newton's, you know, where is it on the spectrum between, like, Newton and Allen, where Allen was mostly fixed, and Newton never really fully fixed his, and he was always plagued with that issue. That's where, like, I think the big question mark is. So it sounds like you feel like that the principal flaws of Anthony Richardson are fixable. I think so. I don't see anything there that's, like, inherently bad. He doesn't have a big windup. He doesn't have uh, trepidation in the pocket. He doesn't have, like, awareness issues. I think it's just a matter of like some of it's just experience. Some of it was he played in a vertical offense, so he didn't have a lot of easy outs and a lot of quick passes to kind of boost his numbers. He was tasked with a lot, and oftentimes it was empty backfield or you know maybe four receivers, and there's not a lot of protection. He's put in a, pr- a pretty uh, pretty difficult spot for a first-year starter, and I think he handled it well. And I think those mistakes are things that even if they don't get better – we can still look at them and say he creates big plays to kind of compensate for them. And that was really the same playbook on Daniel Jones and then also Allen coming out too, where it's like, he's just a variance type of quarterback. If that's what he ends up being, we have a blueprint for those guys being really good in the NFL. The question is whether he can become more than that, almost like a Mahomes um, where he's just like super well-rounded. I don't know that he, I don't think he'll be Mahomes personally, but um, that's also an insane bar. So I don't know if we should ever hold any quarterback to that. Uh, probably not. Uh, the 2023 NFL draft is believed to be a quarterback rich draft. That said, would you say that Anthony Richardson has the highest upside of any of the quarterbacks in the 2023 draft? I would go that far. I I don't think he's the highest floor per se, but I do think he has the highest ceiling. Um, I, I, the only guy that I've seen that kind of has that same, um, glimpse. And I think, uh, Lance, uh, Lance Zeroline for NFL.com had a really good way of putting it is like, if you see a guy do it once, the thought is that they can do it more and they can do it more often. And, and I think that's something that Justin Herbert kind of showed CJ Stroud's the other guy that I would look at to say, 
well, if he plays like he did against Georgia, and if he plays like he did against Utah in the previous bowl game, that's a guy that could be one of those top 10 quarterbacks in the league. The question is, why didn't he do it in the other 20-some games that he played? He had really good moments. But So Richardson showed that high-end potential every game. Every single game he played, it didn't matter the stats. He had a couple of throws every game that's like, that's an elite quarterback throw. So I, I believe in Richardson's ability to get there a little bit more. It's just you are also taking the risk to say, well, if some of these issues aren't correctable or if he just can't fix them, then you're, you might not be able to live with the downsides as much as you would for someone else. You know how it goes with most prominent rookie NFL quarterbacks. Their head coaches swear that the quarterbacks are going to be spending good chunks of the rookie seasons as reserves, and then inevitably, the quarterbacks end up starting sooner rather than later. With that understanding, is Anthony Richardson someone who would slash should truly not play much in his rookie NFL season? Yeah, I think I kind of have the same outlook on most rookie quarterbacks that like you have that developmental potential for is like you get to a point in the season where you're just not winning. You need to get him on the, I think getting him on the field at some point is good. So like the last month of the season, I would love to have Richardson out there, build some confidence. You start really seeing how he reacts to situations, see what he's learned over the off season. Like, is he taking in the playbook, start incorporating plays that maybe he likes, doesn't like. Um, I do think it's important to get all young quarterbacks out there if you have potential to play them in the future. So, but I don't want to enter this season with him as a starter. And that's for most rookies. I'm saying the same thing, like, but especially so with him, I don't want his confidence to be broken. I don't want him to be totally lost when he's seeing a faster speed. And especially these guys are going in the top five of the draft. They're usually on really bad teams. And I think that's just a harsh reality that we see with some of these rookies. Not everyone is like Kenny Pickett where they can go play with really good receivers as a rookie uh, or Baker Mayfield a couple of years ago, it's like those guys fell into good positions or Justin Herbert, same thing. Some of these guys play with some really tough uh, situations. I think Richardson is at risk of being one of those guys, especially if he goes, you know, if he doesn't go to Washington, I mean, Washington would be a great spot for him to go because they've got so much in place and he can compensate for that offensive line a little bit. But if he goes to like Atlanta, you know, and yeah, they've got the young receivers, but I don't know what they know if they know what they're doing. We don't know that yet. So, um, ideally, you're not going to see him probably for the first three, four months of the season. Much more with Ian Wharton of Pro Football Network in moments. I'm going to next ask him about Sam Howell. But like Anthony Richardson, the Hiatus app offers great upside. If you haven't yet downloaded the Hiatus app, uh, what are you waiting for? Hiatus is a personal financial management app that allows you to take full control of your money. The Hiatus app is a great way of getting your bills, your utilities, and your subscriptions organized. Get a better handle on where your money is going and download the Hiatus app. It's great. Hiatus allows you to see all of your subscriptions in one place and lets you cancel the ones that you don't want or need in just a few taps. Hiatus can alert you if any of your monthly bills, like your cell phone bill or internet bill, are negotiable. And Hiatus has an in-house team that actually can negotiate and lower those bills for you. Download the Hiatus app from the App Store, from Google Play, or by going to hiatus.app. There's no cost to downloading the app. Download it and see what it can do for you. Again, download the Hiatus app from the App Store, from Google Play, or by going to hiatus.app. Hiatus, take control of your money. More now with Ian Wharton of Pro Football Network. So the commanders uh, remain in dire need of a franchise quarterback. Uh, We've talked a lot 
about Anthony Richardson. The commanders in the 2022 NFL Draft took Sam Howell in the fifth round. He ended up not making his NFL regular season debut until the team's season-ending 26-6 win over the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field on January 8th. But Sam in that game was good. And then we just six days later had multiple reports that the commanders are positioning Sam to be their QB1 for the 2023 season. There's a lot to take in with the commanders. Uh, The team is for sale. Uh, The head coach, Ron Rivera, in the 2023 season would seem to be in as big of a make-or-break season as a head coach will ever be in. Uh, The team right now is looking for an offensive coordinator. With all of that as a backdrop, what are your thoughts on Sam Howell, and how would he compare with Anthony Richardson if Sam was in the 2023 draft? Yeah, I was. I think myself, and I think a lot of folks were surprised at how far Howell fell. Like I thought he was a day two guy, round two guy, like guy I would like to take. I'm not going to invest fully into him as my future, but I like the raw skill set. I think he's a sharp passer. Seems like a super smart guy. Um, I, I like him. Like I think he was very much like Baker Mayfield when he came out of college. Now we know what happened to Baker, but like Baker wasn't a bad quarterback for for you know until things broke down and his health broke down. I think Howell can be a solid starter in the NFL. And so for me, there's a difference there just because of the upside. Like Howell doesn't have that A plus gear that Richardson can get to. But I think he's more reliable as a passer. And I think he probably and some of that's experience. Some of that's coming from an offense that exposed him to more things. So that experience really pays off. And I think he's a high floor type of player. Like I think if Howell starts I don't see him really being a bad player in the NFL. I'm not saying he won't have bad games, but like I think he's probably on that average type of range, and maybe he gets a little bit better depending on his supporting cast. I like his outlook as a starter in the NFL, and so I would look at him in this class and say, well, yeah, it's it's kind of a unique class because of the sizes of these guys and how raw some of them are, um, the seasons that some of them are coming off, especially like Levis. Um, I don't know that they're comparable because stylistically they're so different, but like – you can see that it would be a philosophical uh, difference in how you would address these guys and how you would build an, a team around these guys with how you're looking to go probably more of a traditional offense, maybe more vertical, whereas Richardson, not that you can't go vertical, but with him, you're going to have to take some of the lumps. You're going to be less of a timing-based offense um, with Richardson. You're going to be a little bit more boomer bust, whereas Howell, he can keep you on track. He's going to be a little bit more of like that that traditional Jimmy G type um, where you're going to go for consistency and a great surrounding cast around him will help prop him up. Whereas Richardson, you can kind of build the offense completely around his skill set, and hopefully you can fit him within a scheme. But you almost want the scheme to be Richardson, almost like if if the Ravens had good receivers around Lamar Jackson, you would kind of say like the same thing. You use the word uh, philosophical. Uh, philosophically speaking, if you are a franchise quarterback needy team like the Commanders, and you are eyeing going with a second-year quarterback in Sam Howell as your starting quarterback for the following season. Is it a bad idea to spend a first-round pick on a quarterback in, say, Anthony Richardson? Because that might, you know, muddy the waters and interfere with Sam's development. Or should you spend a first-round pick on a quarterback if you like one? Because you need to keep taking swings at the position until you connect. I personally subscribe to the latter philosophy, but... What say you? Yeah, it's you can also look at Washington's own history here with RG3 and Kirk Cousins to say, like, you know, I, I don't think you ever, and I'm surprised that we don't see it more often with teams like 
I don't think you should be satisfied until you find that guy. And we rarely see these teams double dip, um, even early in careers. I think if you have the chance to get Richardson, and I, I think it's going to cost Washington quite a bit. I'm not, I, I think you're probably trading into the top 10, maybe top eight. I, I think if he does well on the whiteboard and in interviews, which I, I have no reason to think that he won't, I think teams will look at that talent and teams are so quarterback desperate. It's going to cost you a lot. And at that same breath, I think it's worth it because you, this franchise especially hasn't had that guy since RG3 where he's like that explosive high-end talent. Um, and before that, it's been way, way, way too long before that. And Cousins was good, but like, and I think that's probably a good comparison here where Howell is probably more on the Cousins track where that's probably his top end. Whereas Richardson could be that RG3, what we thought RG3 could be. And so the, this, the parallels are very interesting. I think if Rivera has the time, and that's the biggest thing, does Rivera have the time to develop him, to bring him on slowly? Does he have the ownership, the new ownership? Are they going to back him? Are they going to say, buddy, we're going to give you two or three years as long as you do everything else well. And, you know, this is, and that's a hard statement to make. Most coaches can't afford to do that. We see a guy like Kevin Safansky. He's the guy that Deshaun Watson picked to play with. And then a year later, Browns fans are calling for his head already. And so he's only got a couple games with Watson. So it's just the reality of the NFL. You can't really plan out for more than a couple years, if even that. And so if I'm Washington, I definitely explore it. If if Richardson starts to fall and you love that guy, um, is it worth this year's first round pick and maybe next year's first round pick? And then you have a quarterback competition and maybe Howell ends up being the guy. Well, if Howell is a great 2023, you can still trade Richardson. You can recoup some of that draft value back. We've seen that time and time again. You will get your value back if you have a good quarterback. Um, even guys without leverage are getting traded. For, we'll see that with Derek Carr this offseason. Like, he's going to fetch a lot. People think he's washed. He's going to get a pretty decent pick. Carson Wentz, we've seen him be traded. We just saw that with Washington. They gave up a pretty decent pick for a guy that some people thought he was washed. So the currency is so high right now. I think it's a I think it's a great investment because that's just what this team is missing. And if they can find a stud, this team's going to go to the next level. I agree. To me, the Commanders are a quarterback and an improved offensive line away from being a good team. And I get it, fixing those two things in one offseason not easy. But there are a good number of good players on the team. Uh, taking a step back and looking at the quarterback class in the 2023 draft as a whole. Is Anthony Richardson the QB4, or is there a compelling argument to rank him ahead of one, or I guess more, of the big three, of Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and Will Levis? Yeah, I think this is, uh, yeah, if you, if you could tell me that each of these guys went to their ideal situation, um, I think Richardson would be QB1 for me. It's just that's a big if, and that doesn't often happen. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And these things break down. Um, but I think he's a lot more talented. I think he's a lot more, uh, I think he's a higher floor than what's perceived because of the numbers, especially like I think people are blindly citing his completion percentage um, without that context. And I, I think he's a better player than that. He's not Zach Wilson. Like he, I, I don't have any reason to believe he's going to crumble under pressure like the way Wilson has. Um, you know, I like Bryce Young. He's a higher floor type of player, but we've never seen someone his size have success. I think he's probably, an 85 to 90% talent that Kyler Murray was and Kyler Murray hasn't really been great. So I, I think that gives me trepidation on him. I don't know that I would take, you know, Bryce Young number one overall. It's not that he's not a good player, just the bar is great. And how do you get great? 
I think Stroud, I, I think Richardson can get there. And then I think Levis is probably QB4 for me just because I, I really am concerned about him. I think he's he's a lot more like Daniel Jones, who I wasn't a big fan of coming out, where I thought like, okay, if this works out, you're probably like a almost like a poor man's Matthew Stafford, which is okay. It's, it's pretty average because I don't think Stafford's anything too amazing either. Um, when he's hot, he's good, but he's not hot a lot. <laughs> they take some bad sacks and make turnovers. And so I don't think Richardson is as prone to some of the negative plays. And that's kind of my own personal, I don't love negative plays. Like I don't like interceptions. I don't like taking a lot of sacks type of thing. Levis takes some sacks and, and, and makes some turnovers. So for me, I would have Stroud or Richardson number one. And then I'd probably look at young at number three. And then I would look at Levis at four. Um, and if you could tell me that they were going into Washington situation, I think it would be a pretty much the same order where I would want to be taking the swing on the higher end talent. I think Stroud could play 2023. I think he's ready to go. Um, he's a high floor type of player, whereas Richardson, he's diametrically a little bit different. And certainly, you know, structurally, he's going to be a little bit different. But I think that Washington is in a position where they could get more out of him as opposed to like, you know, what are they going to do with Levis? I don't know that Levis beats out Howell. And Bryce Young might beat out Howell because he's a better creator and he's probably a little bit more explosive. Um, but I don't think there's a market improvement there. Like I think Howell's a pretty good player. So with that in mind, I don't know that I would trade up for, for all of these guys. It's just basically Stroud and Richardson for me. Wow. That is quite an endorsement of Anthony Richardson. Ian, I hope you know what you're doing in getting Commanders fans all kinds of excited about Richardson. Uh, Ian Wharton of Pro Football Network. Check out his Twitter thread on Anthony Richardson. You can find Ian on Twitter at NFL Film Study. Ian, thanks a lot for your time and have a great weekend. Thanks, Al. I appreciate it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. A big help is if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast by most platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. A subscription to the pod costs you nothing, and make sure that you never miss an episode. Uh, you on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. You can pass judgment on the pod. Uh, Five-star ratings are very much appreciated, and you on Apple Podcasts can write a review. Uh, saying that you like the podcast. Uh, the review can be just a sentence or two. Can't be more, but does that have to be? And thank you for subscribing, rating, 
and reviewing. We are at a point in the NHL regular season now in which you start to pay attention to the standings. Uh, The Capitals and their arch rivals, the Pittsburgh Penguins, entered Thursday tied for the Eastern Conference's top wildcard spot at 56 points apiece. The two teams are tied no more. The Caps improved to 26, 19, and 6 with a 3-2 shootout win over the Penguins at Capital One Arena on Thursday night. So the Caps now are atop the Eastern Conference's wildcard standings at 58 points, one point ahead of the Pens. This was Caps head coach Peter Laviolette during his postgame press conference on Thursday night. We knew it. I'm sure they did as well. It just doesn't take much to look down on the paper and see what the standings have to say. And you know that it's a big game. You know it's Pittsburgh-Washington. And... um, like I said, I thought it was a pretty good hockey game. It ends up going to a shootout. So. Yeah, this was just the third game of this Caps regular season to be decided in a shootout. But the shootout went the way of the good guys. And thanks to one of the Caps returning guys, center Nicholas Backstrom returned from a one-game absence caused by a non-COVID illness. He scored the game-winning goal in the shootout. Not bad. Uh, he also had a primary assist. Uh, Backstrom shootout goal, his 29th career shootout goal. He ranks number two in Caps history in shootout goals. A winger Alex Ovechkin is number one with 37. The Caps on Thursday night also got back winger TJ Oshie. He returned from a one-game absence caused by his wife giving birth, but out for the Caps was winger Tom Wilson. Uh, He did not play due to a lower body injury that he suffered in the Caps 3-2 loss at the Colorado Avalanche on Tuesday night. Uh, The Caps remained without defenseman John Carlson and forwards Nick Dowd, Connor Brown, and Carl Hagelin due to injury. But I mentioned Alex Ovechkin. Uh, He played on Thursday night, and he was very good. Ovi had a first period power play goal as the Caps went 1-3 on the power play. Uh, Ovechkin finished with a game-high seven shots on goal and a game-high 12 total shot attempts. So in a big game for the Caps against the Penguins, Alex Ovechkin very much was a factor. Uh, His goal was his 401st career regular season home goal, tying him with ex-cap Mike Gartner for the fourth most regular season home goals in NHL history. And Ovi now for this regular season has 32 goals. He is sixth in the NHL in goals. Remember, this is Alex Ovechkin's age 37 season, and yet he is number six in the NHL in goals. Uh, Winger Marcus Johansson had a third-period even-strength goal. Uh, The Caps on Thursday night did lose the puck possession battle in terms of quantity, but not in terms of quality. The Caps for natural stat trick had 51 5-on-5 shot attempts to the Penguins 59, but also 14 5-on-5 high-danger shot attempts to the Penguins 8. Uh, The Caps totaled 45 shots on goal to the Penguins 37. So another good game for the Caps in terms of process. The results for the Caps lately have not been great, but the Caps in a lot of ways have been playing good games. We certainly saw that in that 3-2 loss at the Avalanche on Tuesday night. Uh, The Caps on Thursday night had a terrific first period. Uh, The Caps won the first period 1-0, and they in that first period had 22 shots on goal to the Penguins 7. Peter Laviolette during his postgame press conference on Thursday night called the Caps first period, maybe their best first period this season. And goaltender Darcy Kemper on Thursday night was good. He stopped 35 of the 37 shots on goal 
that he faced. Uh, Thursday night's game was precisely the kind of game for which the Caps gave Kemper that five-year, $26.25 million unrestricted free agent contract this past July, and Kemper came through. Uh, the Caps went 1-1 on the penalty kill. Both goaltenders on Thursday night were good. The Penguins' Casey DeSmith stopped 43 of the 45 shots on goal that he faced, but the Caps won the game. Next up for the Caps at the Toronto Maple Leafs, Sunday evening at 5. Well, we haven't exactly had a ton of Orioles news this offseason, but we on Thursday had quite a bit of Orioles news and also some Nationals news. Uh, the Nats and O's news came in the form of MLB Pipeline's preseason top 100 prospects list coming out on Thursday night. Uh, the list included four Nats prospects and eight Orioles prospects. The Nats four top 100 prospects, outfielder James Wood, number 17, outfielder Robert Hassel, the third, number 35, outfielder Elijah Green, number 46, and pitcher Cade Cavalli, number 58. The Orioles eight top 100 prospects, shortstop slash third baseman slash second baseman, Gunnar Henderson, number one, Pitcher Grayson Rodriguez, number seven. Shortstop slash second baseman Jackson Holiday, number 12. Outfielder Colton Kowser, number 40. Shortstop slash third baseman slash second baseman Jordan Westberg, number 74. Outfielder Heston Kerstad, number 80. Pitcher D.L. Hall, number 97. And shortstop slash second baseman Joey Ortiz, number 99. Baseball America on January 18th came out with its top 100 prospects. Uh, that list, like this MLB Pipeline list, contained four Nats prospects and eight Orioles prospects. The O's are absolutely loaded with young talent right now. Uh, also, the O's on Thursday afternoon made a trade. Uh, they acquired lefty starter Cole Irvin from the Oakland A's. Uh, the O's also got a minor league pitcher, Kyle Verbitsky, and the O's gave up infield prospect Daryl Hernandez, who was the Orioles' number 16 overall prospect per MLB pipeline. The O's have an abundance of infield prospects, so the O's were able to deal from a position of strength for a guy in Cole Irvin who is a solid starting pitcher and is under team control for years to come. Uh, the 2023 season will be Irvin's age 29 season. He is under team control through the 2026 season. Uh, I don't want to overstate what Cole Irvin is, but this is a guy who, for the A's over the last two regular seasons, made at least 30 starts in each regular season and accumulated an ERA plus of 96 over 359 and a third innings. Uh, ERA plus is ERA that's adjusted for a player's league at home ballpark. 100 is average. So Cole Irvin over the last two seasons was a durable league average starting pitcher. There's definitely value in that. And that the O's got this guy for their number 16 prospect. If that doesn't tell you a lot about the terrific state of the Orioles farm system right now, I'm not sure what does. And you think about the Orioles' rotation for the 2023 season, a lot of possibilities. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez, D.L. Hall, Dean Kramer, Kyle Bradish, John Means, Kyle Gibson, Cole Irvin, Tyler Wells, Spencer Watkins, uh, Austin Vogt. 
Uh, speaking of oath, uh, the O's on Thursday afternoon announced having agreed with Voth on a one-year contract for the 2023 season, avoiding arbitration. Uh, the deal includes a club option for 2024. Voth had been the lone arbitration-eligible Oriole this offseason with whom the team had not reached a deal. But the O's have done a really good job of building up some very promising starting pitching depth. Uh, meantime, the Angelos family feud now is even uglier. If you are a combo Commanders-Orioles fan, and I know that many of you are, this is some time right now with both teams having these ultra-ugly ownership ordeals. Uh, the Orioles ownership group, of course, has been led by Peter Angelos and his sons, John and Louis Angelos. Uh, Peter has been in failing health for years. His health began to severely decline in 2017. He's now 93, and the belief is that Peter Angelos is incapacitated. Uh, Louis Angelos on June 9th filed a lawsuit against his brother, John Angelos, and their mother, Georgia Angelos, for control of the team. And we this week have had multiple other things uh, pop up. Uh, Louis Angelos on Monday filed an amended complaint against brother John Angelos and mother Georgia Angelos, uh, in which Lewis accused John and Georgia of having, quote, systematically drained, end quote, a bank account held by Papa Peter Angelos, quote, to insulate, end quote, John and Georgia from potential creditors, among other reasons. Now, what exactly is meant by systematically drained? Well, the filing stated that the account in 2017 held more than $65 million, but that now the account only holds around $400,000. Additionally, the filing stated that John Angelos and Georgia Angelos secretly acquired additional ownership in the Orioles at, quote, a greatly discounted price, end quote, and kept Louis Angelos in the dark. So we had that on Monday. And then on Thursday, a judge invalidated Louis Angelos's transfer of Peter Angelos's law firm to Louis and instead said that a conservator will take over the law firm. You got all of that? <laughs> what is going on with the Angelos family makes what's going on with the commander's ownership situation look like child's play in some ways. I'm not sure what's more whacked out, the Orioles' ownership situation or the commander's ownership situation, but uh, there definitely is a conversation to be had. This goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway. The Orioles cannot be sold soon enough, just like the commander's can't be sold soon enough, just like the Nationals can't be sold soon enough. All three teams right now have ownerships that need to end, and hopefully all three teams will end up being sold over the next, say, year or two. Uh, in the commander's case, hopefully in the next month or two. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Monday show, episode 496. We'll have a lot for you on the commanders. Also, I'll talk capitals. The camps are at the Toronto Maple Leafs Sunday evening at 5. I'll discuss our Wizards, the Wizard at the New Orleans Pelicans Saturday night at 8. And I'll review the college basketball weekend. Maryland is home to Nebraska Saturday afternoon at 4.30. Georgetown is at St. John's Sunday afternoon at 
at 2. Number 7, Virginia is home to Boston College Saturday at noon. And Virginia Tech is home to Syracuse Saturday night at 7. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you on Monday. I think it's all about, probably all about the money, I guess.